This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. The sentiments and expressions of Mother's Day are among the noblest in all of human experience. This is a day which is looked forward to, a day on which we pay tribute to mothers. Today, there is an expression of love for her acts of kindness throughout the year. Mother's Day is a day when there are thoughts and feelings which come surging up from the depths of our hearts. That which is often thought, but not often expressed, somehow seeks to find expression on this day. Those merchants who deal in the sale of greeting cards will readily admit that for the few days prior to Mother's Day each year reflect the largest volume of business of the entire year. Considering this with other special days in the year, Mother's Day even surpasses Christmas or Valentine's Day with more people purchase, uh, rushing to purchase Mother's Day cards. How amazing. But more than a day of sentimental reflection, Mother's Day should be a time of reappraisal. Should be a time not only to look backward, but also a time to look forward. It's a day when we ought to give serious consideration to beginning new relationships. One of the best ways of beginning a new relationship with a person is by paying off your debts, if you owe that person something. Paying a debt cleans the slate gives you the feeling of a fresh start. And so this morning, I invite you to think with me for a few minutes on the subject, Mother's Day debts. What kind of debts? Well, first, there are debts which every child owes to mother. What are these? Well, first, we owe them our love. With only a very few exceptions, our mothers have demonstrated over and over they have a love for us as their children. We never get too old, we're never too young to say those magic words, I love you. I heard some time ago about a little girl named Nancy who sat on her mother's lap. In a moment of reflection, little Nancy looked up and asked her mother, Mommy, why is your face scarred and ugly? Why isn't it pretty and smooth like the face of Maud's mother? And then Nancy's mother explained, Honey, When you were just a little baby, you were in your cradle near a fireplace we had in our house. I was in the room working, and suddenly some fire jumped out of the fireplace, and the blanket which I had around you caught fire. I immediately grabbed you and the burning blanket, both, all up in my arms. And then putting out the fire to save your life, Mommy was badly burned. Those scars were left on my face, she explained. Little Nancy then stroked her mother's face, saying, Mommy, I love you. Your face is more beautiful than any other mother's face. You see, a knowledge of the sacrifice of love made all the difference. There are a few of us who are aware of every time of sacrifice our mothers have made for us, There have been times when mothers have put themselves and their desires aside 
and have placed our needs as their first priority. There's simply no way in which a child can be aware of what mothers have done for us. And so we owe our mothers our love. But secondly, we owe them our appreciation. There's a difference between love and what I'm calling appreciation. I see in love that emotion which wells up and seeks expression in a feeling. But there is a sense in which we all owe a debt of appreciation which may not be expressed through an emotion. Let me give you an example of what I mean. When I'm aware of what my mother has given to me in the realm of material things and what she has denied herself of that I might have more, then I have a feeling of love and gratitude. But when I came to the place of being a parent myself, I learned that there are things which a parent does for which the word appreciation seems more appropriate. Sometimes young babies are prone to have some physical difficulties, such as getting adjusted to the milk or getting on a proper schedule and the like. There are some babies who have what we call the colic. This is a condition which does not allow the parents to sleep very well. When I grew to the age when I could understand what it meant, I was told that as a little child, I had the colic for over a year and that my parents never were able to get a full night's sleep because of my waking them up. And when this came to my attention and when I lost a few nights sleep because of the need to give attention to a baby in our home, that was many years ago, then there was within me a feeling of renewed appreciation for what my parents had done years earlier. Whether we are aware of it or not, we all have those things in our mothers for which we ought to show our appreciation. Call it love if you wish, but it seems to me to be more appreciation or gratitude. A third thing we owe our mothers is our respect. This is something which continues to last throughout the years. Time does not wither it, but rather causes respect to increase. Some years ago, one of the members of our church was invited to compile some words of tribute of respect and honor to motherhood. I had the good fortune to obtain recently a copy of that tribute. I want to share part of it with you. Here's what that person wrote. Mother. In that name is condensed all the sweetness of the earth and all the music of heaven. More delicate than silk is a mother's love but it grips us like the cables that bind the continents. It never lets us go. That love adapts itself to every varying fortune. In prosperity, an ornament. In adversity, a shield. In disgrace, a mantle. In poverty, a Klondike. In sickness, a bomb of Gilead and in death, a beacon to a better land. That person continued writing. Perhaps she lingers, but time takes its toll. Her locks are whitened now. There are silver threads among the gold. It costs us a pang to realize that she who bore us is no longer young. But Phidias, never carved out of Parian marble for the Parthenon in Athens, 
anything more beautiful to us than mother's withered hands. While that wrinkled face of hers, furrowed by the plowshare of the years, is rich in divine beauty. Yes, it holds more of heaven in its smile than any Raphael ever painted for the Virgin Mary. In more beautiful and flowery words than most of us could assemble, I think this description spells respect. This morning we're thinking about debts which are owed on Mother's Day, debts of love, appreciation, respect. Yes, these are debts which we owe to our mothers. But there's also some other debts which our mothers owe to their children as well. If I may begin as I did before, the first of these debts that mothers owe to the children is that of love, just like we said earlier. Giving birth to a baby does not ensure that one becomes a mother. Motherhood is an honor which comes through an experience of proving that a love within can be communicated to a baby. Sometimes we hear terrible stories about women who give birth to a child and then abandon the baby or cruelly mistreat the child by physical abuse or criminal neglect. Makes us wonder just how can this be? How can a human being be so inhumane? I'll tell you something that makes me wonder also about some who claim to be mothers. I wonder just how they can expect their children to be raised as anything other than first-class heathen when the mother, or the father for that matter, spends precious little time with the child, investing one's life into the life of that child whom God has given to the parent. As a pastor, I have trouble sometimes explaining to some children in our church why mommy and daddy won't bring them to Sunday school and church. I have trouble understanding why some parents will not stop and take stock of their homes, trying to examine themselves of what's gone wrong. I have trouble understanding why some family members never speak to each other unless it's in yelling or finding fault. You see, this is where love comes to be action. Love is not always giving in. Love sometimes involves a willingness to take a stand with children, and to exert a consistent, fair discipline. Mothers owe their children love, and they owe it in ways that will build up their children. Sometimes it has to be tough love. A second thing that mothers owe to their children is security, physical care. It seems that with each Mother's Day, our nation has progressed in greater degree to a changing role for the women in the home and in society. My own feelings have changed from what they were years ago to some extent. I do believe in freedom, liberation for the women, but I also believe that there are some basic principles which cannot be overlooked concerning God's commission to parents. It may be that your home is so liberated that the woman goes out and makes the living and the husband stays home and washes and makes the bed and irons the clothes and cooks the meals. If that arrangement is mutually suitable for your home, I'm certainly not here today to tell you how to run things. But if your home has not yet reached that status, then maybe you better take a second look at what I firmly believe is a noble profession and that of homemaker. Just how is it that we cherish the sweet memories of mothers in years gone by 
who fulfilled so beautifully the role of wife, mother, homemaker. But for some reason, there's no more excitement today about that role. God has planned that in the home, there must be provision made for the physical care of children. I don't mind having the woman get out of the house and find a job where she can mix and mingle with other people and where she can bring in some extra money for the household. But when there are young children who are yearning for something that only the mother can give, and when she is not at home most of the time, then who's a substitute for the mother? Is it the maid? Is it the TV? All too often this has been the case. And we are now reaping the sad results of the American pattern into which we have slid. And incidentally, you know, you don't slide uphill. I believe it's a God-given principle that mothers owe their children the security of home and physical care. Some years ago in a national religious magazine, there appeared the story of a young farm boy who carelessly shot a mother hen with an air rifle. The shot broke her neck, but it did not immediately kill her. For several minutes, the hen floundered about in the farmyard. Her chicks became frightened and started running in every direction. Soon the mother hen grew weak. In her last moments, she feebly tried to open her wings to shelter her chicks from harm. Slowly and cautiously, the baby chickens returned to nestle under her wings as they sought the last bit of warmth from her body. Jesus once said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. That's Luke 13, verse 34. Is it possible that we need to return to this beautiful imagery in the home to recapture the truth that mothers owe to their children security and physical care? One other thing that I think mothers owe to their children is spiritual nurture. There are some mothers who think more about their child's clothes than they do about the personality of the child. Some mothers are more concerned about getting their child involved with the right set of friends than they are about whether or not their child knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Someone has said rather bitterly and perhaps with all too accurately, some mothers would let their child spend a weekend in hell if they thought it would improve their social standing. I happen to know that there are some parents, though, who are doing all they can to lead their children in the, heart, in the ways of the Lord. They're talking with their children. They're encouraging children by bringing them to church activities. They're often requesting the pastor to have a conversation with their child to explain what it means to be a Christian. When I served as a pastor of a local church, I was always willing and ready to talk with children or anybody about what it means to be saved. But I think also that it's best for this to come first from the parents. Why should a preacher have the joy when that God wants to give to a mother or a father or both? Mothers owe their children spiritual training. Mother, is there an unsaved child in your home? 
Is there one who is of age to be making a profession of their own faith? Is your child well past that age when they should have already made a profession of faith in Jesus? How much do you agonize in prayer over the salvation of your own child or children? Oh, there's so much more which cries out to be said this morning, but let me conclude by sharing with you just a few thoughts. Some person wrote an article as follows. If I were a mother, or you could say if I were a grandmother, I don't know who the author of this is. If I were a mother, I would tell my child Bible stories, the stories of Jesus when he was a baby, of Jesus when he was just your age. When my child was old enough, I would tell him quietly the story of his death and speak joyously of his resurrection. Often I would use the stories that Jesus himself told. If I were a mother, I would share with my child the truth that Jesus is my Savior, who forgives, who takes away sin, who helps me in times of temptation. If I were a mother, I would share with my child the truth that Jesus is my Lord, the one whose life is the perfect standard of my conduct, the one who has the right to set standards for me. If I were a mother, I would watch prayerfully for the time when, guided by the Holy Spirit, I might explain to my child the how of becoming a Christian and lead my child into the definite experience of conversion. Interpreted in terms of doctrine, this means, of course, that I would try to teach my child that Jesus is the Son of God who came to reveal God the Father and to save all who trust in Him and that Jesus was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. It means that He is the only way to God, the only Savior. Yes, Mother's Day should be a day of reappraisal should be a time for us to think of debts that we owe to our mothers and also of things our mothers owe to their children. Much of what I've said this morning applies also to fathers and to children as well. So in conclusion, may I ask, is your home Christian? Is it Christian in more than name only? Maybe it is not Christian because you are not a Christian yourself. You need to come to Jesus Christ this morning and receive Him as your own personal Savior. Perhaps you'd like to make the lines of a motto for a home your own. Lord, enter thou my home with me until I enter thy home with thee. Oh God, bless our homes, our families. None of us are perfect, O oh God. We know that and we confess our own failures. But thank you for giving us new beginnings, new direction. And may the homes of each person listening to my voice right now be homes that are blessed by the presence of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.